Welcome to the Edge of Punks podcast. This is your host, Craig Biedemann, bringing you another conversation with an everyday educator, daily disruptor, or DIY badass in the world at large. This week, I'm talking with the fantastic Amy Hoffman, who is in the band Future Teens. They play guitar and sing along to all the songs. Uh, and this week, we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff. We talk about Amy's uh, move to the, to the East Coast from the Midwest and how they became uh, associated with Future Teens and how they became a full-fledged band member of Future Teens, as well as the detour they had in their first professional life as someone who worked and performed on cruise boats, cruise ships, cruise boats, cruise ships. A very fascinating story behind all of that and I can't wait for you to hear all of that as well I can't wait for you to hear new tunes from the new Future Teens album which is called Breakup Season it comes out September 6th and it is fantastic I just got to finish listening to all of it all the way through and boy oh boy you're gonna want to hear this album you get to hear uh, pieces from three songs throughout this episode and I hope that you enjoy that as well and that you go over to Triple Crown Records uh, Uh, or over to Take This to Heart Records and get yourself either a vinyl or a tape copy. Follow all the links in the show notes. The band also embarks on a big old U.S. tour with Oso Oso very soon, so you can get the link to those show dates as well in the show notes of this episode. As usual, I like to share that we are a member of the Connect EDU network. Uh, Connect EDU uh, brings you a whole bunch of content from higher education developers, content creators, and educators just in general. Uh, and there's a, just a lot of good stuff. Go to connectedu.network and find out all of the cool things that are going on there. This episode is also brought to you by the nonprofit that we uh, run, my partner Katie Ham. And I run, it is called The Art of Survival. The Art of Survival uh, helps 
trauma survivors tell their stories and we like to make them art and give them some sort of platform to share what they've gone through and what they're going through and how they heal. So if you want to learn more about that, go to artissurvival.com and you can uh, even submit your own story or find out another way to help us out as well. You can go to our Patreon. You can send us some, some, some monies. That'd be really cool. If not, no worries. We understand everyone's in different circumstances. But if you want to help us out, please do so. Um, and that's all I've got at the top. We're going to jump right into this conversation with Amy Hoffman. They are a fantastic human being, and I can't wait for you to hear it all. Here we go. Cool. So I'm sitting in a house apartment Yeah. with Amy Hoffman, Future Teens. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm tired. Yeah. Physically tired. Yeah. <laughs> I just kept on lifting a bunch of weights. Like a big strong guy. Yeah, you just lifted a bunch of heavy stuff. I did, like over my head too, which is like wow. wild. They, ta- they teach you how to do it the right way. Cool. So you don't hurt yourself. Yeah, safe lifting is tight. Safe lifting yeah. all the time. Always have a spotter. <laughs> we don't always... They don't need... We don't... It's fine. Not a requirement, but... It's like not a whole lot of weight, so I don't need a spotter. And also, yeah. like, I don't know how you spot dropping weights. You just literally just drop the weight if you can't put nice. it up. Yeah. I've always just been a person who runs, so mm-hmm. I don't know anything about lifting heavy stuff, but it... That's how I was. Yeah. Until about a year ago when I took my first CrossFit class. Ooh. And then, like, almost exactly a year ago. Nice. And then over the course of time, I mean despite injuries and you know getting hit by a car right. and I'm back into it for like the last four months like solid and I'm cool. like building strength which is something I never thought I would have as a like as a runner yeah and it actually comes in handy being a runner because of endurance yeah so like I'm getting stuff done pretty quick I might not be throwing all the heavy weights up but I'm getting through workouts yeah faster than the people who just can't run <laughs> or, or just like some people are just like stocky, like they're just like yeah. big and they can't like do the 400 meter and then come back and do whatever. But Dang. yeah, so maybe you, you could crush some CrossFit. Maybe. <laughs> Turn that running into. It'd probably be good for me. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I've learned to like, I used to hate the yeah. culture, but I go to yeah. a gym that's super chill. So. Cool. Yeah. Like, it's a gym that I love because you can't take your shirt off there. And, like, you have to, like, be fully clothed the whole time. Wow. And I'm like, some people just wouldn't survive here because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that weeds out everyone you don't want to do crossfit Exactly. With it's super trauma-informed in that way. Cool. Yeah. That rocks. They're just like, we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And so it's, like, really great to, like... That was like a big, like the first time I went to the gym, I was like, oh man, I don't know how this is going to go. And like, that's one of the first rules they talk to you about. And I was like, okay, I can dig it. That's so sick. I love that. So enough about CrossFit. (laughs) Um, uh, Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are, where you come from, like how, a little bit about how you got here? We'll we'll expand a little bit more, but. Got here in terms of like this city? Yeah, sure. Cool. Um. Yeah, my name is Amy. I am from Joplin, Missouri. It's like a, um, well, it's like a small city in southwest Missouri, uh, like maybe 40,000 residents. So um, big enough that uh, people aren't in your business, but small enough that pretty much everyone knows everyone. <laughs> um, 
and I left I left Joplin when I was 18 to go to college um, and initially it was in I was in Nashville for my first year and a half and then transferred to Berkeley College of Music and that's how I wound up here um, had like dreamed of living in Boston my whole adolescence for no real reason honestly I visited once when I was like 12 and just fell in love with it um, and made it happen somehow against all odds um, and I kept thinking I would uh, like dip out after school and every time I left I chose to come back mm-hmm. yeah so Berkeley's what brought you out here yeah that's great I hear like everyone kind of has a different experience going to Berkeley and I've talked to a couple totally. of people who've gone to Berkeley through like the podcast and just like knowing people in the scene. What was your experience like going there? What did you do there? Um, I studied, uh, I did the, what I lovingly call your, the choose your own adventure major. Nice. Uh, professional music. So I combined uh, music business and guitar performance. Cool. Um, it was awesome. I had a great time. I kind of like sped through my my time there um wanting to make it happen as quickly as i could because i didn't want to be in too much debt etc um and i started in the middle of what would have been my sophomore year of college and when you're like a mid-year transfer student there aren't a lot of like assimilation resources Mm -hmm. available um i don't know if that's true across the board for colleges but it's very true for berkeley and at berkeley they treat Every student, like uh, whether they're they've never been to college before, or um, are in the middle of college, or took some time off, or have another degree from somewhere else, no matter where you're at in that um, choice of coming to Berkeley, you're on like the same playing field uh, for all of their resources, and you just get like lumped into a room. Um, so I felt like I was not very well served in terms of adjusting to this new place with different goals than a lot of my peers had because I had a year and a half at another college in another state to like really evaluate if this was what I wanted. Um, so it was a very bumpy, rocky first semester. Um, but I, I like settled in, made really good friends, had a good time. I think um, there's a lot that I didn't know as like a 19, 20 year old about um, mental health and coping skills that would have been really helpful to getting more out of college, both academically and socially. Um, but you know, I had a, I had a good time. Good. Learned a lot. Would not be anywhere that I am now if I hadn't made that move for myself. So. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because I was a transfer student from my first year. I went to University of Oregon and then I went to Oregon State University. Cool. And, um, I would say that, and I, I work at I work at UMass Boston, where we have like the majority of our students that come in are transfer students mm-hmm. because they're they're coming from a community college or just another four year, or they couldn't afford the private school that they went to, and now they're going yeah. to UMB. Um, and I would say that like one of the big struggles is we're not good at transitioning transfer students. Yeah. At all, and I imagine coming from a completely different state, a completely different area, like. Yeah. There was a big adjustment period there. Yeah. Yeah. How, how was the adjustment to, like, just East Coast life in general? It was pretty weird coming from the Midwest and then spending, like, a year and a half in Tennessee. Um, I also uh, grew up in, uh, like, a lot of, um, like, evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. So coming from, like, 
being raised pretty Christian, went to a Christian college for a year, was like deep in um, this ministry called the Young Life. Yep. Um, cool. It rings a bell. I'm Red. very familiar. Yeah. Cool. I came up in a very religious background and everything. Nice. So. Yeah. And the Young Life was uh, pretty prevalent at my undergrad too. Cool. Um, yeah, up here it's like hit or miss whether folks mm-hmm. uh, know what's what that is or not. All these heathens up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from like that world and moving here and not really having a sense of community. Um, and then also that being the first time that I really um, questioned all the stuff that I mm. uh, had been like conditioned to believe in mm-hmm. was, was a bumpy ride. I bet. Yeah. Yeah, that was my first, that was one of the first things to like get tested when I was in college too. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast too, just about um, the first time someone ever questioned, like, like says something that makes you question what you believed and you're like, oh crap, do I actually believe, like, I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday, like, do I actually believe in anything? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, is there anything out there that I would, like, either, not necessarily, like, die for, but is there something out there that I believe so strongly in that I would, like, lay down and just, like, start over or just do something completely drastic with my life? And I'm like, I don't think I do. And even in college, <laughs> I was like, I really don't think I do have that. Yeah. And, like, that was the first time where I was like, I don't know if I believe what I believe anymore. <laughs> yeah, it shakes everything. Yeah. It's a lot to, like, come to terms with and sift through. Yeah. Especially at, like, 1920. Yeah. When, like, our brains are still developing. and uh, I think, like, that's one of the peaks where, um, like, we're really starting to develop that, like, that level of cognition where we can actually, like, make big changes mm-hmm. in what we actually like fully co- like conceptually understand about the world yeah. and like it's scary that that's like when we're highly impressionable and then we're around drastic communities of people who com- believe completely different things or if you're f- not necessarily forced but if you're in a circle that does believe what you believe it can just reinforce all of that so if you're around like different this is why i love college if you're around people of different belief circles and cultures you really get this like wealth of like understanding something new and that's what i i i've kind of like that's what i kind of gleaned from starting a new life in college yeah And Boston's actually, even now, changed that even for me even more. I've been here for six years now, so it's wild. Yeah. So the Boston scene, how uh, did you get entrenched in making music out here? I kind of stumbled in. I was not not super engaged with it during college. I was, like, just trying to... I was trying to finish school. I was having this, like personal crisis trying to figure out what I believed in um, and didn't know how to assimilate um, and then after college I uh, got a job working on cruise ships and was like what? in and out of the city for like six months at a time oh my God, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I played music on cruise ships it was like my um, it's a 
it's like a whole long story how that wound up happening. For Go me. ahead. Um, <laughs> tell tell the, the somewhat of a synopsis of it. Yeah, the, <laughs> the shortest version I can make myself tell. Um, immediate, I, immediately after graduation, was like, I want to stay in Boston. I want to start making more music here. How do I do it? I need work. Uh, the first thing that stuck um, was I was like on Craigslist cruising around trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do to pay the rent um, and found this home health care job okay. at, for this woman named Marion who um, she had MS, cerebral palsy and um, a lung condition and had been in an accident a few years prior that like left her legs not functional so she uh, only had use of her right arm and like required 24-7 help Wow! but she didn't want to hire um, like trained aides because mm-hmm. she had learned that <clears throat> a lot of the time uh, folks would treat her more like a patient than a person so she would hire people like me that she got along with and liked hanging out with um, and then just train us to do the work that we needed to do hmm. um, and that was my first job out of college interesting um, and I was with Marin for the last six months of her life. It was like a really, it, a very transformative time for me as a person. And somewhere along the way, uh, she was incredible, my best friend, one of the best people I'll ever know. Also one of the most infuriating people I'll ever know. <laughs> you can <laughs> just, only imagine. Yeah, just like a very, she was a very frustrating presence. Um, the best advice one of my coworkers there ever gave me was, you have to like curse back at her and mm-hmm. then she'll like, relax a little bit around you because if you just like she wanted people who would like push back and and give her give her shit right back um but that that energy could be kind of stressful and again had no coping skills at 22 (laughs) i was in so far over my head emotionally um and in the middle of that process was like what am i doing i need to play guitar for a living that's like that's my dream that's what Mm -hmm. i want what am i doing um and went hunting for music gigs because of Marin frustrating me so much um, and found an ad from Carnival Cruise Line looking for uh, like a solo musician to like bounce around bars on the ships playing like mostly covers mm-hmm. um, and I sent them an email two days later uh, the casting director of casting was like called me up. I was like, hey, I'm in Boston. You want to grab a coffee, talk more about this gig? Um, and he offered me the gig on the spot. Oh, wow. Um, and by that point, I knew Marin didn't have a lot of time left. So I was like, here's what's going on in my life. Can I call you in a couple months? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I just like got everything in order and like helped Marin through her like end of life stuff and uh, got on ships a couple months later. Dang. And I did that on and off for like four years. So did you, for four years, Yeah, <laughs> that's wild. Did you um, give them any sort of like idea of how you performed or like, did you like submit a tape or was it just like, let's meet and talk? <laughs> yeah, I sent, <laughs> and then uh, you're just like, oh, you seem fine. You should probably play music. <laughs> my initial email was like a resume and I just kind of described stuff and was like, here's where you can find me or whatever. And then they asked me for a song list. I made it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I met up with, with uh, the casting guy, he was like, yeah, I stalked you on the internet. You're good at what you do. Watch some videos. This is cool. Mm-hmm. When do you want to start? Mm. Um, so I, I got lucky. I think there's, um, there's always a need for that position on board, and there tends to be a lot of turnover. 
So I kind of like slipped through the audition cracks a little bit and got around the process. That's kind of tight. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Did you get to go anywhere like super exotic or super cool or was it all just like there and back, there and back? <laughs> uh, I got, I lucked out in so many ways. Uh, yeah. My first ship was uh, at the time, the like the flagship, the biggest boat they had out there. So it was doing the most varied itinerary. So I got to do like almost every port in the Caribbean that they were going to at the time. And my second contract, um, my first cruise was like a two and a half week crossing from Hawaii to Australia. So we got to do like the whole South Pacific on the way. Um, and then I spent three months in Australia. It's freaking wild. Yeah, it was really nuts. I got to do most of the itineraries, like quick Alaska run, the New England run. Um, That's so cool. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Especially like in your early 20s, just getting to like... But like not necessarily bum around, mm-hmm. but like literally just getting to like be chauffeured around the country or around the world, really. Yeah, yeah, that's so nuts. It was really absurd. Yeah, it was I the bet. weirdest universe. You're just like, man, I'm living like this weird fucked up life right now. Or <laughs> I get to play music and I'm in Australia all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like this very uh, luxur- luxurious kind of tour life where it's like, yeah, I wake up in a different place every day, and then I go, you know play covers for four hours a night <laughs> <laughs> for people who have like likely overpaid for what whatever they're indulging in yeah in yeah just a lot of drunk people that want to hear Alanis Morissette repeatedly nice but I had a blast that's great. so great yeah <laughs> so when did when that ended um what was the next step there well uh at the time I was pedicabbing in between contracts yeah so i like leave for the winter come back for the summer pedicab a lot and somewhere in the middle i guess after my first contract on ships um right before i went to australia is when i met my bandmate daniel mm-hmm. um and we talked about me maybe being in future teens and i was like well i'm about to go away but can i call you when i'm home and if you haven't found anyone let's let's play some music and see what happens yeah. um and when I got home, they hadn't moved forward. So um, went over, heard uh, the songs that would turn into um, our like now nowhere to be found uh, EP, <laughs> and uh, and was kind of tossing around the idea of like I should get off ships. I think it's like kind of my time, but uh, just the money was really good, and like finances are big. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're big for anyone, but it's like a lifelong kind of pressure point for me. Um, And the financial stability of ships was nice, and I liked the lifestyle at the time. Um, But it was ultimately future teens that made me want to want to leave ships and and get out of there. It's like we did that EP and started um, getting more opportunities when hard feelings happened and. everyone wanted to tour a little more um I was like all right well this is I'm gonna quit ships I've got this band I really care about um I was like in a like a serious long distance relationship with someone I met on ships at the time um and she wanted to get off ships um so that we could like have a more normal life and not be like on different ships in different parts of the world all the time imagine Um, that long distance was even more complicated when you're like 
on ships. Like, yeah. it's not the most convenient way to be able to communicate with someone. Yeah, we started dating, like, right when she got on a... She started a six-month contract in Europe. I was like, well, all right, here we are. See you Bye. later. Yeah, see you <laughs> when I see ya. <laughs> um, only, only uh, like, slightly more complicated than, you know, what we ended up doing. Yeah. Like, land life and be on tour half the time, but... Mm. Yeah, those are the two things that, like, made me want to stop ships and just, like, like playing covers four hours a night is not my dream. Yeah. As much as I love and appreciate this lifestyle and what it's given me, I've kind of plateaued in terms of, like, musical growth. Mm-hmm. And the financial stability is nice, but at what cost? This yeah. is, like, breaking down my body to play this much every day, and it's... Um, I got what I wanted out of it. Yeah. So. I imagine it's also like a lot of putting on the face because you're, you're having to like, you're having to entertain a lot of people who are expecting you to entertain in a yeah. very specific way. And regardless of how you feel, you have to do the thing. Yeah. And I can only imagine that that's like, that could be draining. Totally. That could also be draining physically because you're just like yeah. kind of forcing your body to feel a certain way. Yeah, completely. There's no, there's nothing to hide behind mm-hmm. in that gig. You gotta, you gotta do the thing. Yeah. That was a little bit more from the new Future Teens album. That song was called Emotional Bachelor. I'm going to play you a full song here in a little bit, but right now let's get back to this conversation with Amy Hoffman. So Future Teens got up and going. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started hitting the road, so this was like the thing that you, you, you quit ships to start doing this, so you must have felt like this was going to be a good thing. Yeah. I think <laughs> when, we, when we first started touring, it was... Um, it was still kind of like where we're at now was a pipe dream at that mm-hmm. point. And that's I mean, a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah. Was our, our first tour was February of last year. Um, and we did like two weeks from starting in the Midwest. Because mm-hmm. um, Daniel, Daniel played in a folk band for a long time called the mm-hmm. Novel Ideas. And they were finishing a tour in Kansas City. So we just booked our tour around that, and we're like, oh, it's fine, we'll just, we'll drive, the three of us, the other three of us will drive to Missouri and yeah. meet Daniel. We uh, have gotten a lot, we've started um, caring for ourselves a lot better than we did that first day of tour when we drove all the way to Missouri in a day. Oh, um, <laughs> you did that in a day, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maya and Dylan both had work, and it was, we were just like, yeah, this is fine, we'll do it. And um, we, we learned a lot from that experience. Um, yeah, it's something that, like, I knew 
I really believed in the music we were making and the friendships that I had with everyone. Um, like Daniel went from, I met Daniel and I met when we matched on Tinder. Like this was <laughs> news to me. <laughs> yeah, not a uh, not a commonly told story. It's like a it's like a nice Easter egg that we like to throw out whenever possible. But for for someone to have gone from like a Tinder match where our initial conversation was like, I know this isn't what this is for, but do you want to be in this band with me? Yeah. Um, to like. He's my he's my best friend, and we like make we we write songs that I've never been more proud of before, and um, for like the songs that I brought to Hard Feelings, most of that record was like written before I joined the band, even. But the songs that I brought to like be some of the most vulnerable music I had written at the time, and for these people that I barely knew as we were recording to make it everything I hoped it'd be and more, it's like there's something here it's very special and by the time we started touring we were all better friends um and like about a year ago there's also been a lot of turnover in the band in the last year and a half um we have a new drummer now and Maya joined us right before our first tour um but for that whole first year of touring it was like you know we'll we'll always have other jobs we'll always have other gigs and this will be something that we um, put effort into and get to do and we'll get to like go out for two weeks every couple months because mm-hmm. we love it but I don't know is this really going to go anywhere for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's to say? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of bands that kind of feel that like is this going to go anywhere? I don't know. Like what yeah. is this? <laughs> yeah it's always been something that yeah we take it seriously and we want to work really hard at this and have a great time but um, the goal has never necessarily been let's um What's a, what's a word? It's like as much as the dream is for this to be our, our one job, um, we've all had a good head on our shoulders in terms of the most important thing about doing this is that we love each other and we love the music we're making and we're really proud of this work and that comes first. Mm-hmm. And we've been really fortunate that maybe we could have a career. Maybe this mm-hmm. could be our job. I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's moving in a way where maybe that's possible. But yeah, it's wild because you guys have been going nonstop. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, it is. It's always funny when like you guys will be home for a minute and, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh yeah, you guys are going back out. It's sick. Well, yeah, have fun. And it's it seems like like I think we talked after you got back from the most recent tour and you're like I'm just ready to go right back out. Yeah. And like you're like you said like you're the one of the group who's just like always ready to just be touring yeah. the whole time. Do you think that connects to your cruise ship life? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, most likely. I have I have always been very like uh very go 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 yeah. and I get really stir crazy and I like to continually be doing the next thing yeah um this summer has been a like an exercise in patience oh yeah tour is my happy place it's like it's my favorite thing in the universe i get to spend all my time with like people i love and bands i love and i get to like play music i'm really proud of and I just want to rock with my friends all the time. That's so great. It's cool. Because you guys have been like amassing a pretty good following through doing that too, which is really sick. 
it's absurd. Yeah. It's very, very surreal how fast everything has moved since we started touring. Yeah, it's crazy. I bet. I bet. Yeah, I can't believe it at all. Well, and you guys have a new album coming mm-hmm. out in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how, like, Triple Crown came <laughs> to be involved in that all of a sudden? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you guys were yeah. getting some attention uh, from a few labels, I imagine. Yeah, everything happened really fast, um, but also for us happened really fast, like, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. So now everyone else is like, oh, this happened so fast. And we're yeah. like, this happened so fast and then nothing happened at all. <laughs> so I, is this, is this a dream? Yeah. Cause you've been sitting on it for a little yeah, while. I imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, the whole thing came together with Triple Crown over the winter where um, we had, we had like four or five demos um, for the new record at the time. And, we're like getting everything written and arranged and um, our uh, label folks, um, Joe Urban at Take This to Heart, um, who put out Hard Feelings, um, was kind of sending out that record, um, getting feelers out for like just any help we could get on it. And it just got to the right string of people to get to to, to Triple Crown. And it it all worked out. And Triple Crown has worked with... uh, with take this to heart to like do this uh, do this record um, with them to some extent, um, which is really cool. Joe has taken so many chances on us and made everything possible yeah. for us, and it's like I'm really excited to see Triple Crown um, and Take This to Heart working together and Take This to Heart getting more opportunities because he's it's an incredible label, mm-hmm. wonderful people. Oh, yeah. um, it was just it was just the right place, right time. The right people heard those demos. At, at the right moment and it struck a chord and we lucked out um, and then we did a few dates with um, Free Throw last November mm-hmm. and got to meet uh, meet the Triple Crown folks at one of those shows um, just like a good vibe good fit nice yeah so, awesome. so the album comes out like we're recording like August 4th this will come yeah. out in a couple weeks but then the the, the album comes out the first week of September yeah so yeah. I think um Digital release mm-hmm. is going to be August 30th okay. uh, because we're going to be selling the album on the road mm-hmm. when we leave on the 22nd. Yeah. Um, and then the, so the f- physical everything is out on the 6th, but I, I think yeah. the deal we were able to cut is that digital is up a little sooner, so it'll be on Spotify a little early. Nice. Nice. So what went into it? What, what, what like, <laughs> how much more vulnerable could you get? Or what, what were you Oof. digging up to make this one? <laughs> um, wow. Because it's called Breakup Season, Yeah, the record's right? called Breakup Season. <laughs> Which I think is fantastic. It's, um, <laughs> Daniel and I had the idea for that title within separate, completely independent of one another, and within the same, like, 12-hour span. <laughs> I showed up to his house to hang out and he was like I have a great idea for the name of the record I was like oh good me too and mm-hmm. we like said it at the same time it was a very um like bad comedy movie moment I was literally gonna say it sounds like yeah it sounds like Step Brothers <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the count of three let's say it at the same time <laughs> <laughs> that's more or less what happened yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah it's more or less what it sounds like of like a 
dig that heartbreak record. Um, I, with it, the whole band went through like various kinds of breakups, mm-hmm. um, whether that's like me ending a very serious relationship with a person that I was very sure I was going to marry and um, Daniel's old folk band broke up last year. Um, a variety of very big changes in our lives mm-hmm. that um, we dug into for this record. Um, everything from like that breakup of mine to um, the novel ideas ending to like past heartbreak to like um, to like meeting someone new and then like being sad their cat didn't love me (laughs) (laughs) a lot of a lot of stuff um yeah yeah i mean that's like because the the hard feelings you guys went through like a lot there and you were bringing your own sound to that was this like a good full collaboration um this time around so that you could like bring everything the 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 touring that you guys have put together this is like was this like the first full honest effort like fully collaborative yeah it's the most collaborative it's ever been um daniel and i um wrote the whole wrote like the bones of everything together all the like music and lyrics and um one of us would bring like an idea or the bones of a song and then we'd like fine tooth comb it together um and then arrangements were the whole squad. Um, we when we met Colby, our drummer, he was initially just filling in for the September tour mm-hmm. last year, and in the middle of the September tour is when kind of wheels got in motion for this record to be something and to go somewhere. Uh, and a week prior, Daniel and I were like, we really want Colby to be in the band. And yeah, like he's too good for us. He's, he's way gr- too good. He's great. Um, and in the middle of that tour, Colby was like, hey. Um, I'm having fun. I love this. I really like you guys. I really believe in this band, and I want to be like a contributing full-time future mm-hmm. team, uh, which is thrilling. It's yeah. the best, and just like we're just like, oh yay! Yeah. <laughs> we were, Daniel and I looked each, at each other in the front seat, and we're like. <laughs> so at that point, we knew we knew Dylan was like applying to grad schools, and he was like mm-hmm. ready to move on. Um, so we were like kind of freaked out and sad. It's like, how are we, how are we going to have this dynamic again? How are we going to find someone that we, that we like get on with and who wants to be part of this? And yeah. we just, we got so fortunate and Colby's drumming has brought so much to these arrangements. Um, he like pays such close attention to every tiny, tiny detail. Yeah. No um, wasted motion. Yeah. Feels like. Nothing at all. It's yeah. he's an incredible drummer, and the way he and Maya like lock in together is really cool. Maya's an amazing bassist, right? Um, so good. And has such cool rock moves. Mm-hmm. Um, Y'all have did. a lot of really good movement when you play live, though. <laughs> like that's just like almost a trademark at this point. Everyone nice. just like moves really <laughs> fluidly. You guys look like you're genuinely having like a blast every night. Cool. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that that's coming yeah. through. Yeah, it's, it's true. The rumors are true. Um, yeah, this this record is um, everything I ever could have wanted it to be. I think it's we self produced it. Daniel mm-hmm. engineered everything, hmm. and um, he's like an arrangement wizard and an amazing engineer. Um, just see, like everyone's strongest things really shine on this record, and it's uh, I, 
think a really cool jumping off point for us as a band and songwriters and I'm super proud of it that's That's so great um so the lead single is frequent crier yeah what's it about crying that is just so (laughs) great like I know that it took me a little while, like, especially as a dude, to be, like, comfortable, like, vulnerably, like, vulnerably expressing myself through that. And I know that you were talking about, like, it was hard to, like, find those coping skills growing up, like, coming up in, like, the 20s. What is it now? Like, is that a big function of how we, like, survive these days? It's just being comfortable with our crying. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I hate crying. Okay. It is not something I enjoy doing, but I, um, I had a really painful 2018 mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons and continuing to have a painful 2019 mm-hmm. and I have cried so much, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of locations, obviously, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cried in public mm-hmm. so much. Um, I'm trying to get comfy with it cause it's like objectively good for you mm-hmm. in so many There's ways. There's a lot of good science behind it. Yeah. Plus, if you never cry, your tear ducts, like, get angry and freeze up, and then it's even worse. Mm -hmm. Then everything's bad. Um, It's, like, such a cathartic thing, but it's vulnerable in a way that is so scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm still getting used to, like, being comfortable letting that out. It's hard to do. I don't know. I mean, I... It took me, like getting over masculinity like getting over like this whole like shell that I have to like cover myself in just to like seem like a strong person and then just like I cried watching The Farewell yesterday it's such a such a tough (laughs) movie and um like I like I teared up like three or four times and I'm like I I just I I don't even hide it anymore like I used to get choked up and like no I'm fine I'm just like, let it go. Like, let yourself feel. And like, I have found that um, just letting out those emotions, even around like other men and around like, like my partner, Katie sees me cry pretty often. I see Mm -hmm. Katie. Katie's like, um, Katie hates crying, but like, we'll really only let it out in front of like certain people. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, man. You hate it, but you're so good at it. Like, <laughs> like it's a weird thing to say. Like, but yeah. you're so like you let it out, and so uh, I, I just think that that's like a really um, like good sign for some people to just like don't ball it all up. Yeah. Like, let's let it out. And I think that the scenes become like really comfortable with like our feels and yeah. our emotions. Like the emo scenes drastically shifted from this like the scene scene of like I don't know. MCR being the, <laughs> being the gold standard yeah. of emo to like now it's like actual vulnerability yeah and like feelings and emotions and um, what's it like tapping into that to even like share that stuff in in the music that you guys make because like you have to replicate that every night when you play and it's hard to like put that out there all the time yeah it uh it kind of writing these songs was like survival Mm. for me. It was a way that I was able to keep going. Um, And every time I would like write a chunk of a song, I would be emotionally drained Mm -hmm. and I would like feel like trash for a while and cry a lot, but it got me, it got me to the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's what like playing these shows feels like. And I've 
one of the things that has gotten me comfortable crying is that I, I there's several of our songs that I cry on stage playing mm. every night and I cannot help it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it takes uh, you back to that place, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, start at, like when all of this like big life change and tough things started happening, I just like started letting it out on stage mm-hmm. and just like, I don't, I don't have to be strong up here. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. And um, thinking back to like all the times I've watched someone be really vulnerable on stage and how that like gave me power to feel more and like tap into those things too. Um, I'm excited that it's like, it's cool to weep at the gig. Right? It's really cool yeah. to like, to have a good cry at the show. Yeah. And that's the coolest thing. We're tapping into those feels. Where it, yeah, it feels like the permission. There's yeah. like a permission now, like we can do this because we're here together to support each other. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's cool. I think one of, the, one of the first times that I like really saw that in action was in, um, it was last summer at, uh, it was the Pedal Camp Cope Sydney Gish mm-hmm. tour. Mm-hmm. Um, just like an ungodly powerful lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire tour was not men. Mm-hmm. Really cool. And um, like, A, watching Sydney crush is like tears of joy and pride yeah. for um, just like an incredibly powerful young person from this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pedal having this moment of like intense vulnerability, just speaking between songs mm-hmm. about like survival and queerness mm-hmm. and, um, and, coming out of like those really deep dark places yeah. and just like holding hands with all my friends while we while we cried with Kylie. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic. Yeah, incredible. And and the same thing like repeatedly with Camp Cope mm-hmm. spending their um, like their songs are wildly powerful and then the moments that they take to like acknowledge the pain in the room. Mm-hmm. Um and that's that's one of the first times I can remember like letting loose at a show mm-hmm. and just like f- like letting that feeling wash over me of like nothing feels okay and that's fine because yeah. that's what we're all like here for um, and trying to like not necessarily recreate that um, but to continue tapping into it um, has become really important I think for me as a musician, for future teens as a band, we cry in the van together a lot. Mm-hmm. We're the, we're the, the like nerdy, uh, like English teachers of the tour. They're like sit in the van and have conversations like this, like, uh-huh. listen to two hour podcasts about empathy and <laughs> cry together. That's um, so great. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm learning a lot from this. I love that you say that, like, writing the album and creating the music you guys do is, like, a form of survival. Because, um, like, that, that word's, like, constantly been tied to, like, the work that, like, Katie and I do. Mm-hmm. And um, just in general, like, in this scene, I feel like we're all just, we're all just, like, surviving. Like, we're all just kind of, like, getting through to some degree. And we all have our own way. And, like, one of my favorite things my dad used to say when he was... Um, still with us he would always I would always ask him like, how you doing dad and he was like well I'm surviving and I was always like ah, that's 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 what we're all doing yeah um, 
but I've, I've always been really grateful that y'all are willing to take out like our materials on the road with you, which is like amazing, um, like getting to spread the word. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I've loved about the scene is the, the different level of activism that's happening right now. And taking like materials on the road and even like y'all provide uh, your own number if people are feeling unsafe, what has been the experience with creating that kind of um, safe, like at least like a safe ap- approach to existing at the gig? What has that experience been like for y'all? It's been really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, no one has had to use that number yet. Okay. Um, but I, yeah. a couple times a tour, folks will like come find me in the crowd or at merch and be like, hey, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Can you help or be with me or whatever? Yeah. Um, so that in and of itself is just like, okay, this stuff is still happening at shows. Mm-hmm. And um, learning how to like be present and um, like advocate for for like better behavior from folks doing dumb stuff in a crowd and also advocate for people who are like being hurt in those situations. Um, it's like, it's a, it's a lot to carry. <laughs> and, um, I'm really thankful that this band cares about doing that yeah. and that we all, um, take everyone's safety so seriously. Um, but in like a more, positive way every night there is someone who looks at those resources and and like tells us that they feel seen Hmm. um and we hear a lot of stories about like folks who maybe haven't felt safe going to shows for a long time um and having those resources present has like given them a little hope for their scene Hmm. um we try to leave some stuff behind at any venue that'll take it and um, hope that they'll keep putting it out. Um, It's, it starts a lot of really cool conversations and um, we, we take a moment every night uh, where I'd I'd like do a quick spiel about um, the work y'all do and Mm -hmm. the stuff that you've sent with us and uh, just make a point to use this moment I have with a microphone in front of my face to like set a standard of you know our expectation is that you'll be excellent to each other yeah because uh, everyone deserves to get to the gig and come mm-hmm. as they are and have a good time um, and even just having that conversation on stage um, I think has like made a big difference for folks and it has made a big difference just for me and being like, all right, I have this, Hmm. I have this moment to like set an expectation for myself and others of what kind of night we're going to have. And it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, can't wait to like march into the pit with security and take care of it. (laughs) Um, It's, it has been both heartening and painful. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's like cool and important and we're thankful every day that we have those resources with us and they all trust us with that work of course it's it's awesome well and i think it's it's like really good to set that kind of standard like you're talking about like we get to help decide what kind of night people are having Mm -hmm. and to even like take a moment to to share that y'all are cognizant that everyone should be safe at the gig and that it should be 
like almost a space where survival is even possible there because I know that the music scene and music in general is tied to a lot of people's survival and so like that might be the night of the week that they get to have to have fun and they want to be safe being there and existing there and so it's good to even just be like if no one else on the the tour lineup or the nights lineup is saying anything at least y'all are setting that expectation which is fantastic and just really thankful that you guys are, are are out there doing the work and putting it out there because of course we're at a really cool moment i think in the scene where like katie was at a stick to your guns gig the other night like pop punk and hardcore scenes are not necessarily the most yeah historically safe and um stick to your guns had like i felt like an anarchist zine group that had like all sorts of like queer positive sex sexual assault awareness information and it was the first time that organization had ever been asked to do that and I was like man if y'all were doing that at every gig though yeah (laughs) be wild yeah and so I I just hope that like more and more bands are just taking that on yeah Yeah. I hope so I think uh, so many folks just don't think of it Mm -hmm. and don't necessarily have that on their radar Mm -hmm. um and I, I mean I'm not it's been like a long process for us of like building what we want those resources or that conversation to look like um as a band and like to meet y'all when we did Mm -hmm. um all serendipitous really yeah it all just came together in a really beautiful way where it was like we didn't know how to approach this Mm -hmm. and we're all learning and unlearning a lot and um I'm just I'm thankful that we can start that conversation at shows and hopefully push it. It was a lot of bands just aren't thinking about it. And it's, yeah. you know, we as a band that features non-men and survivors of a few different kinds, you know, it's something that's very on our minds. Whereas mm-hmm. some of the bands that we're playing shows with maybe don't have that experience in their in their lineups and so it's not on their radar. Mm-hmm. Um we all have different starting points, and um, I'm thankful that we can take this on the road and start the conversation for some folks who maybe haven't haven't had anyone start it for them yet. Hmm. All right, it's time for the full-on music break portion of the podcast. Excited to bring you a new tune from the new Future Teens album, Breakup Season. This song is called Frequent Crier. It is one of the singles that has been released for the album. There's a really great music video for it as well, and I put a link to that in the show notes so you can check it out if you want to. Uh, The new album comes out on September 6th, uh, and it comes out through Triple Crown Records and Take This to Heart Records. That's two weeks in a row that we featured an album from Take This to Heart Records, so hell yeah, they're doing some great partnerships right now, and that's really great. Beyond that, uh, if you've enjoyed this conversation with uh, Amy and I, you should definitely get yourself a digital copy or a physical copy through any of the sites linked in the show notes as well. Uh, Support the band. They're going to be on tour with Oso Oso here starting on the 22nd. The first gig is in Boston, and then it goes all all around the United States. So the link to the tour is in the show notes as well. So make sure that you check out those show notes because I take a lot of time to put them together. Um, beyond that, I'm really excited to play this song for you. It is called Frequent Crier and is by Future Teens. Here we go. You made my mama scarred, just like the one you- 
was frequent crier by future teens make sure you pick up a copy of the new album breakup season it comes out in just a couple of weeks through triple crown and uh take this to heart records so make sure that you are getting some of those tunes and i hope you uh stick around towards the end because i'll play a little bit more of another song to play you out to to finish up the conversation uh the episode to finish up the episode but now let's finish up the conversation i got real nervous there because i forgot what i was going to say but here we go so this thing's called the lightning round i like to end the conversations with this just to like get folks knowing a little bit more about you uh what's your favorite color um today blue today's blue okay any other day it'd be something different yeah it it changes sometimes cool that's fair i go between red and orange yeah, I do. Red and orange. Nice. Um, what's your favorite type of food? Wow. Or even specific place you like to eat? Um, 
I had cauliflower and waffles last night, and that's mm. one of the best things I've ever eaten. It was like, like the vegetarian version of chicken and waffles. Oh, yeah. It was unreal. That's great. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Where'd you get that from? Um, this restaurant called Burrado does pop-ups where I work. Hmm. I work at a brewery in Central uh, called Lamplighter, hmm. and we have like restaurants come in on weekends to hmm. do little pop-ups. That's cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, throughout your travels, where's your favorite place that you've been? Like in general? Mm-hmm. Cruise ships included? Yeah, sure. Cool. Maybe um, even like you'd have to like just hang out in between being on the ship or whatever. Yeah. Um, Isle of Pines hmm. is just like this tiny island in in the South Pacific. What country is it part of? Can't remember. Feel like a jerk. Hmm. But it's, yeah, it's just like a tiny island. There's a really good hike there. There's not a lot of stuff going on, and they like refuse to have any of the cruise ship industry like on their island other than just like dock here let's do shore excursions otherwise like no we don't want any of the garbage (laughs) it's it's so sick it's one of my favorite places i've ever been that's great um what about a favorite book do you like to read i love to read um what are you reading what have you liked to read my favorite thing i've read recently is uh it's called priest daddy okay patricia what is it Patricia Lockwood, I think is her last name. Um, it's a memoir about this uh, this woman who like grew up uh, with a like a Lutheran priest for a father hmm. and like grew up in in that universe and then she and her husband have to move back in with uh, her family because of a medical emergency and hmm. it is very moving, especially as a person who like comes from a religious religious background and also hysterical. yeah it's yeah, I like. And laughing and crying every other page. It's mm. really good. That's great. Yeah. Um, what about what about a movie? Do you like movies? I love movies. Yeah. What's like a favorite movie and maybe even a current movie that you've enjoyed? Um, I think a lot of my like movie appreciation is tied to like what else was going on at that moment, mm-hmm. and I always come back to um, I can't remember what it was called. Captain Fantastic or something like that um, that I saw with future teens mm-hmm. like the original squad of me and the boys um, like we had a whole day off in Western Mass and went to this movie and we all cried during the movie it was mm-hmm. like a very cool and good and moving film mm-hmm. and then like played a weird show after nice yeah I, that's always that's my go to yeah. just because it was a special day and oh, the movie was good even oh, though I awesome. can't remember the name that's fine um have you been binging anything on netflix or any sort of tv that you enjoy or an all-time favorite show uh here's the thing craig okay go Um, for it i consider myself an are you the one evangelist um are do you know about this show no i don't it's the most important thing on tv okay are you the one are you the one it is it's an mtv dating show okay um the first seven seasons are like take them or leave them like heteronormative. The first trash. seven seasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I love garbage television. Okay. I love it. That's great. Um, I talked my workplace into screening The Bachelorette every Monday night, and it was nice. a hit. Of course. 
because uh, it's great, great TV. But so many people like that we know watch that. Like I'll see it on people's <laughs> Instagram stories, and I'm like, what the hell? It's wildly entertaining. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no shame. I love that stuff. Uh, but are you the one is important? Not because the first seven seasons were anything to write home about. They're fun to watch, but the concept of the show is it's like uh, it's like a one big strategy game. Okay. Uh, so you throw a bunch of people in a house that each of them has a perfect match, mm-hmm. so to say, at, which is essentially determined at the intersection of what their personality testing and what would make good TV lands on. Yeah. Um, and at the end of 10 episodes, they have to like all find their perfect match. And if they all do, they win a million bucks to split. Oh. Um, and along the way, they're like, you know, challenges, ways you can find out if matches are right or not. It's, it's a whole thing. Wow. Um, but this season is cool and good and important because for the first time, it is a, the entire cast is sexually fluid and there's a wide range of gender identities represented. Wow. Um, I've never seen representation like this in, awesome. in media ever. It is, uh, it's still, you know, like young people being bad at dating mm-hmm. and, um, you know, trapped in a house together, gay chaos ensues. But um, the representation is unbelievable. The conversations they're having are wildly important. It's people all across the like spectrum of experience from I'm coming out on this show or um, I'm not super comfortable with my sexuality yet or I'm encountering someone who um, is non-binary for the first time in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm coping with and facing my own uh, internalized homophobia. So many things happening wow. all at once. And there's a therapist on set, which is <laughs> I love that. That's so um, great. Yeah. Wow, I need to look this up. It's wildly entertaining. And, yeah. And just, just like a, a really important thing that it exists. Not that we need to like take our cues on gender and sexuality from um, MTV or mm-hmm. really any other media source, but uh, it's been it's been fun to watch as a person who loves garbage TV and mm. really moving to watch as um, a person with my identities. Yeah. It was, I like I've never seen myself on TV like that before. It's cool. It's so great. Hell yeah. Um, I like to end this segment with like, since I, I have a lot of music on this podcast, musician, what's some stuff that you're listening to like now or and even what a, what is like an all-time album or artist or whatever for you? Uh, cool. The new Pronoun record. So good. Yeah. Really love it. Elise is an incredible songwriter. Really special. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Oso Oso um, and the Sidekicks to get ready for that tour and just because they're unbelievable bands. Um, I really love sad pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best pop songs I've heard recently is called Hope is a Heartache by... Uh, I don't know how you say her name. It's spelled like Leon, but I'm sure it's said differently. Mm-hmm. Um, L-E-O-N with like a little accent tick over mm-hmm. the E. Um, I don't know. A lot of things in that zone. That's fair. Yeah. Um, mm. I've been revisiting Bad Bad Hats this week. Okay. Their most recent record came out like a year ago this week. Um, that band is absurd. It's super good. Um, I'm trying to think of what I like keep coming back to. What are some all times? It's a hard one. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
because you're like, so many things have influenced me over the years. <laughs> yeah, so many things. Um, this is this is not like a necessarily. Um, it's sort. It's an answer to a question in that it's um, a band I really like and listen to regularly, but um, also just applicable to the content of our conversation. Um, this band we've gotten to play with and and the friend called Coping Skills from Philadelphia has mm. one of the best uh, opening lines of song I've ever heard. I like my body couldn't figure out whether to laugh or cry the first time I heard it. So I just kind of like let out this big, ugh. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the first time. Um, it's the, the opening line is my body is a temple, but I treat it like my neighbor's house. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stunning. Um, I love them a lot. I am excited for whatever Rachel and Lauren do next. Um, that's great. Giant in the Lighthouse. Okay. Band from Lowell just put out a new EP that's really amazing. They're wild good. I'll have to check we it out. We played one of our first shows with them, and they've become our pals in there. Giant in the Lighthouse. Giant in the Lighthouse. Nice. Incredible band. Great. Really cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. Wide spectrum of... Things you're enjoying. Yeah. That's sick. So, y'all are about to hit the road. Yeah. That's kind of why I wanted to get a chat with you before you hit the road. Can you tell people what's going on with this upcoming tour and the, uh, reiterate the details on the new album? Yeah, we are heading out on a full U.S. plus Toronto with uh, Oso Oso and The Sidekicks. It's going to be very fun. The first show is here in Boston at Brighton Musical on August 22nd. Um, and our record breakup season comes out in the middle of the tour. September 6th is the official day. Um, we are very pumped. Yeah, get, this is a big time. Yeah, we'll be playing um, some new songs. Um, by the time this comes out, another single will be out there. Um, so all the singles will be in the set. And Nice. Who's to say what else? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we're really excited. Hell yeah. Well, I'm stoked for you guys. It was great getting to chat with you. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll have Thanks more material. Of course. We'll have more materials with you pretty yeah. soon. We'll get those all printed out for Definitely. you. And then uh, can't wait to see what's next. Thanks. Thanks Likewise. so much. Thank you. Yeah. There you have it. We did it. Oh, another episode done. Very thankful for Amy spending some time with me. That was probably one of the most chillest buck conversations I've had on this podcast so far. Uh, Amy, thank you so much for spending some time with me uh, to chat about all the things that has brought you to this music scene and to the music world at large. I know that Future Teens is going to do some huge things and I'm so excited to watch that happen and I'm so glad to be in partnership with you all. Um, that's really all I have. Uh, make sure that you check out the new Future Teens album. I have plugged it to to hell and back throughout this episode. So just make sure that you go to the show notes and find a link to get it on digital a digital version or a physical copy. Take this to Heart Records and Triple Crown Records can have it for you. Or even the Future Teens of America website. Go there. Get, get it. Get a copy of it. I'm excited to get my vinyl copy here in a couple weeks. And I can't wait to uh, share that on our social media. Um, uh, and make sure to check out Future Teens on tour with Oso Oso. Starts next week. And yeah, go to connectedu.network to learn more about the Connect, uh, Connect EDU network. And go to artissurvival.com to learn all about Art of Survival. The school year's ramping up soon. 
Uh, so something might get a little behind, but I'm going to still try to do this every other week. And next week, or the next episode is going to be another doozy one with another great musician that I'm really excited to share a conversation with. And yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to play you out with a song called So What off the new Future Teens album. Uh, give you about a minute or so of this song, and then th- that'll that'll be it. And then the, the episode will end, and then you'll listen to another podcast, I hope. Maybe even some of the older episodes that I've done. Maybe even last week's episode where, uh, you know, I talked with Brian McDonald and played you some Lilith tunes. You know, if you want to. It's no big deal. No pressure. But tell your friends. Thank you. Here's a song called So What by Future Teens. I'll see you all next week. Until then, let's get to work. Mm